Welcome to the Right Take Podcast, news, ideas, and conversations at the intersection of politics and culture, a project of the David Horowitz Freedom Center. I will be your host, Mark Tapson. Welcome again to the Right Take Podcast. I am your host, Mark Tapson. There's a lot going on in the news this week, as usual, a lot of things I could address. But today I want to follow up with further discussion about the topic of my previous podcast episode about the transgender community and the inherent violence of the left and what the normalization of that violence says about the current state of our culture. And I want to address why all this trans madness has become the flashpoint, the central conflict of the culture war between left and right. And it is between left and right. Some people will say, no, the real culture war The primary clash of civilizations, so to speak, is not between left and right, but between globalists and nationalists. Some will say it's between socialism and liberalism, or between the elites and the 99%. There's some validity to all of those perspectives and more, but when you pare it down to its simplest elements, the culture war in Western civilization today and ever since the period of the Enlightenment can be identified as left versus right the values of progressive utopianism versus the values of conservative traditionalism. And maybe exploring that as a topic for another episode. But in this episode, as I said, we're going to focus on transgenderism and why it's the critical front now in the culture war and what it represents. If you want to get a real insight into the current decline of American culture today, and we are a culture in decline, we're a decadent civilization If you want to get a clear picture of just how far we have descended into a self-inflicted madness, just look at how swiftly and with how little resistance the transgender community and its allies have become the most culturally and politically powerful movement in the U.S. A couple of years ago, I would have said Black Lives Matter held that position. But now it's the trans movement. And by allies, I mean everyone from the political class especially the far-left Biden administration, although the weak Republican Party is complicit in this as well, to medical professionals, to the influential woke academics, to the brown shirts of Antifa, who each in their own way empower the trans movement and give it its momentum. By contrast, conservative Christians have become the least culturally powerful and most marginalized, to use the left's own terminology, demographic in the United States. As proof of that, look no further than the public and media response to the recent mass shooting at a Nashville Christian grade school perpetrated by a 28-year-old female, formerly a student at the school, named Audrey Elizabeth Hale, who identified as a transgender male. As I ranted about in my previous podcast, she shot dead three nine-year-old students and three adults who worked at the school, after apparently planning the shooting for months and studying the plans and actions of other mass shooters. So this was carried out as a thoroughly premeditated mass murder, not a sudden burst of insanity or rage. And the reason I've waited this long to do a follow-up episode on this topic is that the shooter also left a manifesto reportedly explaining herself, a manifesto that had not been released to the public. And I was hoping to get some insight from that manifesto into the shooter's motivations before I did a follow-up episode. But that manifesto still has yet to be released to the public. And there has been zero follow-up or curiosity 
from the mainstream media about it. Both of those points almost certainly tell you that the shooter's motivation must be damaging to the mainstream cultural narrative about who the actual violent haters are in our society. And let me back up a moment and assert that, yes, Audrey Hale was a she. I don't care whether she identified as male. I don't care if leftists grow, throw their typical insanely violent tantrums because I'm dead naming her, using the name that she went by before she decided to act male. She deserves no respect, even in death, because she chose to make her last act on earth, slaughtering little kids and unarmed innocent older people who sacrificed their lives to protect those children. I emphasize that she chose to do this. She wasn't driven to it. She wasn't entrapped by law enforcement. She deliberately decided and stuck with that decision for a period of months to kill as many people as possible at one or more venues where she knew there was no armed security. And she shot dead nine-year-old children. I grieve also, of course, for the three adult staff members, but there's no denying that it takes a special depth of evil to target little children. Speaking of which, with six dead at this Christian school, three of them kids, as I keep saying, you would think that there would be a public outpouring of grief and outrage over this atrocity, as there always is in the wake of a mass shooting. But this one is different. This one has been treated differently in the left-wing media, by left-wing politicians, by celebrities, almost all of whom lean left. In other words, this shooting is being perceived differently by the cultural elites and by the young generations who have been successfully brainwashed by the transgender movement. The reason is that the shooting can't be blamed on a cis white male or a white supremacist or a Trump supporter or a member of the NRA, not one of which, by the way, has ever committed a mass shooting. This time, the shooter is a trans person, and the victims tragically belong to the wrong demographic. They were white Christians, which means they belonged to the left's most hated designated oppressor group. And the perpetrator belongs to the most protected, most celebrated oppressed group today, transgenders. Therefore, the story being pushed since the massacre itself has been that the shooter Audrey Hale is first and foremost a victim herself. And arguably, the left would say, even the real victim here, driven by Christian intolerance and homophobia to arm herself heavily, plan for months to kill many people, and then commit mass murder. And by extension, the larger trans community itself has been victimized, so the narrative goes. Here's a good example of what I mean. A recent episode of All Things Considered on National Public Radio. Now, NPR, of course, is a left-wing propaganda outlet, which Elon Musk rightly noted by designating it on Twitter as state-affiliated media. NPR correspondents Adrian Florido and Melissa Block said that the transgender community, quote, fears a further escalation of hate, unquote, after it was revealed that the Nashville school shooter was trans. And their fear has been amplified due to a surge of anti-trans rhetoric. Florido said, Today, March 31st, is the annual Transgender Day of Visibility. Okay, let me just stop him right there. Do transgenders need a day of visibility? Are they invisible? They're everywhere. Their numbers are surging thanks to a culture that encourages and even celebrates this grotesque, farcical, 
biologically incoherent gender confusion. Every single day we're inundated with the latest silly prancings of men pretending to be women on social media and in the news. The great pretender Dylan Mulvaney was made the face of Bud Light Beer, among other corporate contracts, after having been granted a White House interview with no less than the president himself. Transgenders are not an invisible community. They don't need a day of visibility all to themselves, just as the LGBTQ community doesn't need an entire month of mandatory celebration. Okay, let me continue with the statement from this NPR correspondent who claimed that the LGBTQ community fears a further escalation of hate. An escalation of hate from whom? Who is attacking them? It's six Christian students and school staff members who lie dead and their families and friends devastated. What about the escalation of hate against them, against the Christian community? Christians are the most persecuted religious demographic around the world. In some countries, they're facing a literal genocide, not the fake genocide that the trans community lies about. And now in America, the media won't even mourn the victims of a school shooting for two reasons, as I've already highlighted. One, the victims were white Christians, and two, the shooter was trans. Anyway, NPR then reported on how fear among the trans community, quote, has been amplified this week by rhetoric in right-wing media that brands the entire trans community with the actions of one killer, unquote. What galling hypocrisy. First, there is ample evidence across social media that many in the trans community and their allies in the left-wing shock troops of Antifa are gearing up for a wave of actual violence against Christians and conservatives whom they claim are waging genocide against this supposedly invisible, oppressed community. Witness, for example, the planned Trans Day of Vengeance that was ultimately canceled because Antifa claimed they were receiving threats of violence. Alleged President Joe Biden, who declared the Transgender Day of Visibility immediately in the wake of this Nashville shooting, has said that there is an epidemic of violence against trans women and girls. An epidemic? The left simply lies blatantly like this and they can get away with it because they had the support of what Elon Musk called the state-affiliated media, like NPR. Second, the left does not hesitate to smear entire communities of Christians and conservatives for the actions of a single criminal. Indeed, Christians are not only being blamed for causing the Nashville shooting, they actually are the community facing an escalation of hate. But left-wing propaganda outlets like NPR circled the wagons instead around the trans community as if they were the victims in the Nashville shooting. After that shooting, some protesters inside the Tennessee state capitol held a moment of silence for those who lost their lives at the Christian Covenant Academy. So far, so good. But many of them held up seven fingers in symbolic mourning, meaning they were counting the shooter among the victims. One protester stated, Every death is a tragedy, y'all. It's seven lives. No, sorry, it's not seven lives. And it's not a tragedy when police take out a mass murderer in the act of carrying out a massacre and prevent the deaths of more innocent lives. It's called justice. The only tragedy is that the shooter wasn't shot sooner. Sorry if that's not being inclusive enough. And maybe some would say it's not very Christian of me to celebrate the death of any person, even a mass murderer, I would argue that Christians should celebrate when evil is stopped in its tracks. I think we should celebrate when justice is served. I celebrated when Osama bin Laden was taken out, too. 
I reserve my mourning for the victims of evil, not the perpetrators of it. Another example. First, a transgender pastor from North Dakota has compared the treatment of the Nashville shooter to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ less than a week after the shooting. Micah Luigi, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced that name, who goes by they-them pronouns, was recently installed as the pastor of St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Fargo and delivered an Easter-themed sermon to a small congregation on April 2nd. As part of that controversial sermon, Loegi appeared to also draw comparison between the treatment of trans people in the U.S. with the Holocaust and Japanese internment camps. This is such an absurdly hyperbolic comparison that it would be hilarious if it weren't such an outrageous lie. More examples. According to her website, Madonna announced an additional stop on her The Celebration Tour in Nashville on December 22nd, not to fundraise for the families of victims of the Covenant School shooting, but to fundraise for trans rights groups. Then there's the e-commerce site Etsy, which allows a significant number of shops to sell trans-themed items that threaten violence. Armed queers bash back, reads this pride flag with a picture of an AK-47 on it that's being sold on Etsy. Respect my pronouns or yours will be was, were, reads a sweatshirt. One t-shirt pictures three daggers along with the words, protect trans kids. Respect gender pronouns or I will identify as a problem, reads one sticker. Another one reads, Respect my pronouns or die by my sword. We're here. We're queer. I have a brick, reads a candle. A candle? Who sells candles with political activist messages, especially violent ones? As Tucker Carlson noted in a Fox News commentary, a trans girl tried to assassinate Supreme Court Associate Justice Brett Kavanaugh at his home last year. Then a self-described non-binary shooter later murdered five people at a Colorado nightclub. In 2019, a trans teenager shot nine people at a Denver high school, killing one. In 2018, a mentally ill transgender person shot up a Rite Aid distribution center in Aberdeen, Maryland, killing four. Now there's the Nashville school shooting, and police recently arrested a trans man in Colorado named William Whitworth, who goes by the name Lily. He had a kill list and a manifesto and was planning to attack three schools and churches. Tucker ended his commentary declaring the trans community to be the most dangerous extremist group in America. I would enlarge on that a little bit to add, as I mentioned before, the huge support group that the trans community has in the media, in the Biden administration, in the medical field, and of course, the shock troops of Antifa who can always be counted on to show up masked and armed and ready to brutalize anyone who dares speak out against this powerful movement. Along those lines, did you see the shocking video of former college swimmer Riley Gaines trying to talk at San Francisco State University about her experiences in NCAA swimming? Gaines, you may remember, has dared to speak out on behalf of her teammates who were forced to compete against a man called William Thomas during an NCAA championship. William Thomas was a mediocre male swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania who decided to tell everyone he is now a woman named Leah. So he was allowed to compete against women, whom he crushed in competition, because he's male. 
Because Gaines complained publicly about the unfairness of Leah Thomas competing against and dressing in locker rooms with women, the lunatics at the San Francisco State Asylum decided to make an example of her. A screaming, threatening mob surrounded Gaines and prevented her from moving through the hallways. During the chaos, a man dressed as a woman punched her multiple times. She managed to get to safety in a locked room, and the tolerant, inclusive leftists howled with rage outside the door and said they wouldn't let her go unless she paid them money. Gaines plans now to pursue legal action because neither the police nor the San Francisco State Administration intends to take punitive action against this violent mob of terrorists that literally assaulted Riley Gaines. I hope she sues everyone responsible into oblivion. Kudos to her for her courage. The left is a death cult. It's not a culture of tolerance and inclusion. It's a culture of violent hatred, of chaos and transgression, of arrogance and narcissism, of barbarism and infanticide, of the denial of God and even of our own humanity. Back to my original point about why the transgender movement has become the tip of the spear of the radical left's assault on our civilization. Ever since the 1960s, feminism has been that tip of the spear of this cultural Marxist assault. Feminism and the sexual revolution have wreaked all sorts of havoc on our culture and politics, which is a topic for another day, but clearly it has served its purpose, and the next stage of the attack on Western civilization, the next level, is the transgender movement, which is the logical extension of feminism's assault on the very notions of masculine and feminine. It's assault on the family. It's assault on the unborn. Transgenderism, which is an assault on biological fact, takes this assault to the next level, and in the process completely jettisons feminist ideals and throws women and the very idea, the very definition of woman, under the bus. You can very plainly see this in the left's recent refusal to even define what the word woman means. It's refusal to keep biological males out of women's sports, out of women's beauty pageants, out of awards ceremonies that were designed for the achievement of women. The radical left was never sincere about feminism or defending women. It simply exploited that strategy until it was no longer useful and until it was time to take things to the next level. Now, some women, at least, are beginning to have their eyes opened about just how the far left has used them to get society to this point, where men pretending to be women now dominate every area in which women try to strive for their own achievements. In the process, women and the idea of women, as I said, are now in the process of being erased. This is why the trans movement has seemingly overnight become the most urgent and embattled front the flashpoint of the American culture war. Are conservatives winning or losing this culture war? Well, some would say that the pushback against transgenderism is gaining momentum. And an example of that would be Bud Light's costly mistake of making trans celebrity Dylan Mulvaney the face of its beer. Bud Light apparently lost $6 billion, that's billion with a B, in market value after that catastrophic miscalculation. But I think it's way too soon for our side to be gloating or getting complacent. Here's an example why. Country singer Kelsey Ballerini recently opened the CMT, or Country Music TV, Music Awards, with a tribute to the six victims 
of the Nashville school shooting, then danced alongside drag queens on stage from the show RuPaul's Drag Race. Now, I know drag queens are not the same thing as transgenders, but it's all part of the same breakdown of sex in our culture, the eradication of differences between male and female. This is country music, which is generally considered the most conservative, traditional facet of the music biz, and perhaps even of all showbiz. And that's the reason the left considers it a big victory to have drag queens celebrated during the awards show. It's like planting a flag on conquered territory. The whole drag phenomenon, which is like transgender light, has overwhelmed almost every arena of the culture and is becoming normalized among our young people. And that, of course, is the point of the far left's celebration of drag culture, to normalize it among the younger generations, because the radical left knows the older generation will soon die off and take its Judeo-Christian values and morality with it to the grave. So in the larger sense, our children are the real battleground where the culture war is being waged, and we cannot afford to lose. Thanks for joining me here at the intersection of politics and culture. Please don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you hear, please leave a review. Until next time, I'm Mark Tapson, and this has been The Right Take Podcast. The Right Take with Mark Tapson is a project of the David Horowitz Freedom Center and Front Page Magazine. Unauthorized reproduction of this podcast without express written consent is prohibited.